Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is a very happy Big Kurt here. <laughs> very happy Big Kurt. You on Twitter? Uh, very happy Big Kurt is on Twitter. He's Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast, a somewhat... Special podcast as we are recording the day of the games. We have not done this. Have we ever done this? Yeah, we, we did have, it one time. No, we've done it at least once, but we've done it. We did I think it, it was in, in our a, initial season. It was the when, first season. We did it in an interesting state of mind. Yes, we're not quite as deep into that state of Although mind. Although we are into some Amador whiskey. We are into the Amador double barrel Chardonnay, Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, Cabernet, right? right? Cabernet. I, yeah, Cabernet we got the Cabernet. I got, got like a little. Uh, like a not quite an old fashioned, like a I don't know, yeah, medium aged fashion. I call mine when I make them like this. I call them a lazy fashion. Yeah, it's I a just, lazy fashion. Like I, you got to have bitters. Bitters, I love is, the bitters, right? So, but pretty much bitters and bourbon. If you got those two, you can kind of just mix and match. So I don't got the orange peel, but I had an orange drink. Um, threw in a little bit of. Um, uh, Maple syrup for the sugar. It winds up being a pretty tasty little beverage. See, for a super lazy fashion, you use orange bitters. Orange See, bitters, yeah. But Those with, are good. But yeah, but you don't have orange bitters in that. In this, I, I, I typically, I many times do have orange right. bitters. I just don't have them on me right now. I bet if I looked, see, bitters are one of those things that like. I'll buy some bitters. Like I, I might buy bitters. You have twenty-seven every, bottles eventually hidden somewhere. Right. I, I could find a, I could find a bottle of bitters in like my shaving kit bag that I travel right. with. You might find one in there. You never know, just because it's <laughs> never know when you're gonna need it. That's exactly right. And bitters sometimes is something that you ask somebody, you know, while you're trying. Because I, I am particular with my beverages. But I don't want to make people bend over to my particularness, sure. so I I travel with what I need, which also gets made fun of, by the way. Then people make fun of you for traveling with. Yeah, I, I travel with my Luxardo cherries all the time. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because I want I want the right cherries. I mean, I think you're more of an a hole if you travel and expect people to have something than you are if you travel and you bring it with you. Correct? I mean, I think Luxardo cherries are a staple for any bar, but not. Everyone thinks that way. No, and I have tried other specialty cherries. I no, just go Luxardo's back to Luxardo, the man. They're, They're just, the best. It's, 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 it's the cat's pajamas. Yeah, it is. It's, it's all the there bee's is knees. It's the bee's knees. Well, boy, it is sure fun recording a podcast with a happy Big Kurt. And I tell you what, my voice, I'm sorry, is kind of, it's wasted again. It, if if nobody's ever heard the excited Big Kurt, it goes like this. Yeah! <laughs> yes, I do, yeah! Get, I do get a little excited. And I, and I yell. I yell a lot when I'm excited. I think we probably know uh, what game uh, has made Kurt this excited, but we are going to get into that. That is our second game that we're going to talk about here. Um, four teams were idle this week. All games happened today on Saturday, October 23rd. Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, and Rutgers were idle. Uh, at one point this morning, it looked like it was going to be an even more helter-skelter game. I mean, at the time, Northwestern was kind of battling with Michigan. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati pretty much battled with Navy yeah. all day today. Kenny brought brought the fight a My little bit. Kenny. 
Oklahoma had to come not just from behind, but deep behind yeah. to beat the lowly, awful Kansas Jayhawks. Cincinnati did wind up beating Navy. We actually had an upset that we'll obviously get to. And right now, as we record, um, it is halftime of the Ohio State-Indiana game. It is not an upset. We feel like we have seen enough of this game to go ahead and record. But Bama's battling with Tennessee right now. Yeah. So that's something to look for, too. So, all right, getting into the games. First one up, Michigan 33, Northwestern 7. The Wolverines with 457 yards of total offense to the Wildcats. 233, as we literally just said. This was a game where uh, you could tell Northwestern brought the pride yeah, they a did. little bit at the beginning oh, no, of the game. No, I would say a lot they brought okay. the pride, Okay, at least defensively. But then, I mean, okay, it was ten to seven, right at halftime, or at least deep into the into the first half. I'm not yeah. sure it was at halftime, but ten to seven, deep into the game. But really, offensively, you're just really talking about one long Evan Hall run for 75 yard touchdown that he they popped. Which, Correct. I mean, it counts. Don't get me wrong. But other than that, they were really bottling up the Wildcats offensively. Yeah, you beat me to it to jump to Northwestern stats uh, first because we'll spend a little bit more time on Michigan. Ryan Alinsky, 14 of 29, 114 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Evan Hall, a nice stat line, right? Six carries, 81 yards and a touchdown. The uh, Wildcats with 23 carries for 100 yards for rushing. But Evan Hall had a 75-yard. And and you can't place Evan Hall at a 75-yard touchdown run to complete the sentence. So... Evan Hall did that. He did The Northwestern team did that. But in the other 22 rushes... They got 25 yards. So other than that one time where he the, the play was designed to the right, the hole was there. He made a great cutback, a little bit of over-pursuit from the Michigan defense. Take that away, and it was a dominating performance it by really the Michigan was. defense. And it's strange to me that Evan Hall in this game only gets six carries. I know. Even but- if you're – especially because it was deep into the third quarter – with Northwestern battling Michigan. And part of the reason that Northwestern was battling Michigan, not to besmirch Northwestern too much, but I felt it was more Michigan giving the ball away. You felt Michigan was battling Michigan more than they were battling Northwestern. Is that fair? Yeah. And by the way, it was 10 to seven at halftime. So you're talking about a really close game. And then they just kind of wore them down. They came out, scored a touchdown right away. Another one, another one. So they just, they kind of ran away from them. Sure did. Uh, and how they run away with them with, with these stats that we're going to go with you, Cade McNamara. I would say this is kind of a Cade McNamara type of stat line 20 of 27 for 129 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Right? I do what I need to do <laughs> right. on the plays that are designed. It's, it is efficient. Okay. But uh, so I, I said before this game, I said, Cade McNamara is the ultimate game manager. You don't need to manage that much, Cade. It's okay if we if we throw it downfield and complete a pass here and there. You know, a little bit, a little bit beyond the line of scrimmage. I understand, but but again, go back to what we just talked about. It was ten to seven. Don't don't force the the play. At no, that point, I'm, I'm right? don't force the play. But he okay, did, but, but, he had zero TDs, one interception, averaged three. I'm sorry, uh, I'm looking at the looking at the wrong stat line. He had zero interceptions, zero touchdowns, only four point eight yards per attempt. Right, that's a little too managey. Okay, I I agree with but the he was premise of, of what you're saying, but I think what people tend to forget 
is they they take the manage thing a little for granted because if your manage quarterback forces the ball and it winds up being 14 to 10 that you're behind at halftime because you forced the ball and it wound up being a pick six or yeah. set the other team up. I'm just saying sometimes okay, the best but- plays in the games are bad ones that you don't make. You have at least got to give Cade McNamara credit for that. With that being said, I wouldn't blame a Michigan fan or two for being curious to see what this could look like if if J.J. McCarthy was right. in there. Okay, back. so my, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting to. But Michigan is now 7-0. and They're deep into the season. I don't know that Harbaugh expected to necessarily be 7-0. and I think he's he's got a dilemma. Like, okay, I've got a quarterback that's not turning the ball over. But he's not winning us games. At some point, we not need losing us games or not lose. Yep. Well, but he's not really winning them. He's not winning or losing. Right. Games. <laughs> Don't you think? But it's my my point being, at some at yeah. some point, he's going to need a quarterback to win a game for him. So maybe if, that's so, so. So is JJ McCarthy <laughs> just a straight up in case of emergency break glass I guess, type of deal? I guess. But I guess I guess Harbo didn't expect. Like, he didn't think this was going to be the year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe it is. And if you look at how to touch up the Ohio State defense, wouldn't it look like an offense that's very similar to Michigan's? Yes. Okay. Speaking of khaki pants, by the way, second time he's been 7-0 and while in while at Michigan. So why hasn't Cade McNamara had to do much? Well, we'll check out some stats here. Blake Corum, 19 carries, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Hassan Haskins, 23 carries, 110 yards, two touchdowns. The Michigan team overall, 54 carries, 294 yards, a 5.4-yard average is what they do. You know when you know that you had a dominant offensive performance is when you have two running backs that go over 100 yards rushing in a game. Correct. And a touchdown two running two. backs yeah. went over 100 yards rushing. You know what I was game. thinking? So, that, by I, the way, remember that I said that. That's okay. going to be a theme. It's going to be a in theme. This podcast. So I believe if I saw the tweet correctly, I, I read a lot of tweets on game day, but I believe this is the the second time that both running backs have gone over 100 yards. The second time, or the second time that's happened in Michigan history. Well, in the same season. In the right? same season. Yeah. The other time being. Uh, Tyrone Wheatley and T.C. Amunga, Biaka Batuka. Correct. So here's what, this is the thought I had. This is deep. Okay, you ready for this? Okay. We so were, the deep thoughts. I was a young man, a young, not a young man. I was, I was a, I was a boy when Tyrone Wheatley and T.C. Amunga, Biaka Batuka did that. And I still remember those dudes because of them running the ball like that. Right. And, and, and as a little kid, you're like, man, Michigan running backs. Somewhere out there, there's a kid in, Michigan or Illinois or whatever that is watching these Michigan teams, he's going to remember the names, yes. Blake Corum and Hassan Absolutely. Haskins, just like I do from watching those two Michigan running backs from so long ago. But isn't it funny? Who knows? I, I would love to see those guys, you know, if you put film of, of the guys back then against now. I mean, to me, Tyrone Wheatley was so freaking good. Right. And Shimanga had just the fastest feet Correct. ever. I, I feel like that they were better, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just I, the old guy who thinks everyone back then was better. Maybe they were to a certain degree. Uh, speaking of speaking of good or better, really good interception by Michigan's DJ Turner. 
popped the ball up to himself. That was amazing. Got around the Illinois or, or the uh, uh, Northwestern receiver to almost have the pick six. That was an incredible play. And, and, and just a little bit more on Northwestern. I don't know what to say other than they were more focused. It, it looked like the Northwestern team that we saw really kind of handle Rutgers last week. That was the team in the first half. Yeah. But in the end... Too much talent, yeah. too much, too much better footballness on the other side, and they just could not keep up. And a little more on Northwestern. A couple things: Bergen and Gallagher led the tackling. Of course, what do you know? It's surprise, surprise there. And those helmets. I don't think they should really ever wear anything but those helmets. Those are cool helmets. They are beautiful. Yeah, with the, the the dark purple with the white face mask yeah. and just the white end. Awesome. Pretty good uniform game in general, I would say. It was in Ann Arbor yeah. today. With the win, Michigan moves to seven and zero, four and zero, just like that in the Big Ten. With the loss, Northwestern falls back under five hundred to three and four, just one and three in conference play. Next game up, here we go: Illinois twenty, Penn State eighteen. The Illini with three hundred and ninety-five yards of total offense to the Nittany Lions, two hundred. And 27. Oh, another flag just came in from Happy Valley. Another late flag. <laughs> Shout out to the crappiest of all the Big Ten referee crews. This this one is the crappiest because I think this is the one that it's did the same the one from Nebraska, Michigan. Yeah. Same one. Um, nine overtimes in this game. Nine times. We saw. So before we get to the game, because there's a lot to talk about, um, I had the under in this game. This was my. Amador double barrel. Boop, I had the I had the week. Penn State covering, which was my Amador double barrel. Boop, not lock of the week. That one went boop pretty early <laughs> in this sure game. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, the way they have worded the new overtime, they, they said once you get to the third to overtime, you have to go for two. In my mind, I thought, well, if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two. No, oh, I. Oh. You, but that's how they've worded it. It is my opinion. Right, but I okay, just hold on, hold on. Okay. okay, all right. I, I, this was an under all day long. My Amador lock of the week was a lock from the first play to oh, the hundredth play in this if game. If you had just watched five quarterback plays from each side, you would have known the under was a lock for this game. With that being said, what always kills under in the college football game is overtime. Mm-hmm. You go into overtime. And the game absolutely It's that little nuts. asterisk on every total, on literally every total. Absolutely. So when it went into overtime at 10 to 10, I'm texting my 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 buddy that that tends to yes, you're pay fi- attention to yeah, games like I do. Financial and advisor. I'm like, I swear to God, if this goes over because of overtime, I'm going to burn my house down. But then I realized once we got into the third overtime, I'm like, no, you just go for two. It is my opinion that collectively 90% of college football Twitter now turned to this game and was watching it, and they were like, what the hell? So not only do you go for two every play, you can dictate back and forth which side so of So that the... was cool. I didn't know that part. So that so obviously Penn State wants to go into their uh, college crowd uh, or into the student section, excuse me, where Illinois wants to go away from it. So we kept flipping. That was craziness, wasn't it? That could be maybe something that's amended. I don't know. With that being said, I can't make up my mind to this moment whether that was 
the most exciting, awful, cool, weird. Maybe it no, was it, just all of the no, above. No, it was all of the above for sure. Because I mean, how it, did you feel having a an extremely committed view on the game? What what was going through? Your I mean, mind? it was exhilarating. Yet at the same time, I could appreciate the ugliness that w- was being displayed on both sides. But I don't think the ugliness is to the fault of the teams. Oh, a little bit. Okay, the the defenses came to play in this defenses game. Defenses came to play. So I just want to say, like, okay, Sean Clifford was banged up. That was obvious. Art Sikowski, we'll get to, <laughs> did not have a great. So don't get me wrong. Quarterback play did play into oh, this. But we saw Penn State's red zone defense look amazing two weeks ago versus Iowa. We've commented on this podcast that Illinois' defense I mean, bless their soul, has has de- definitely taken a step up. It's gotten better the last two, three weeks. Defense played into this. In the end, my point I'm trying to make is another game or two is going to go into a third overtime in college football. Yeah. I think this isn't the last time that we are going to see a 7, 8, 9 well, overtime game. I will say, when they came out with the new rules, I so I, I want overtime to be done as fast as possible. That's my goal. Anytime a game goes over, I just don't like overtime, period. I want it decided, regulation. I want it to be as close to the end of regulation score as possible. Yes. In the end, end, the NFL probably does it best. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I thought this was going to move it in that direction and get things over with quicker, but maybe not. Maybe this is the norm now. But the good thing is for (laughs) underbetters, it is tough to put a lot of points on the board for your underbet to go over. When you're only scoring two points at a time or four points right. for a round, so, if it keeps going, if both teams score, sure. but so, but but for those that didn't watch or maybe didn't necessarily pay attention, so you have to go for two starting in the third overtime, and you know, just trading two point conversions. So f- from the third overtime through the seventh overtime, neither team had a successful conversion. That's ten. They were 0 for 10, and then they both had successful yes. ones on the A. How about that? Then they both get then one they both after did. that. Is incredible. I mean, that's why this but was... It, one, one thought I had was, is this somewhat of an advantage for Penn State and Illinois in the fact that they got that much live scrimmage on a two-point Or conversion? is it a disadvantage? Because, look, you, you just showed all that your two-point plays. I didn't plays. Even think about that. That's a good point. How too. many can you possibly have in the in the bag, right? It's just, oh they just—they just displayed nine of them, and, and a lot of them were trick plays. Yeah, a whatever, lot of them were. whatever they could. Um, so hold on, I want—I want, I want okay. to point out that on the on the preview pod, I said, and and the Kingfisher pointed this out on Twitter today. The Kingfisher—I was going to point it out anyway, but thank you, Kingfisher, for pointing it out. I said for Illinois to win this game, they're going to have to play absolute lights out in defense. They did. Illinois is not only going to have to run the ball well, they have, they're going to have to run for 300 yards to win this game. Well, guess what? You were throwing pie-in-the-sky things out there, on and, they did. One, and that's exactly what they did. <laughs> and they still took them into overtime, into a ninth overtime to win the game. And by the way, if Illinois had even just below average quarterback playing this game, oh. it doesn't even come close to overtime. Dude. Because Illinois dominated in many aspects Absolutely. of this game. When when I, me and you are sitting on my couch here uh, in the upstairs athletic club as we're watching Ohio State just go to town on Indiana. So I'm writing my sheet out and, I, and I'm and i expecting Art Sitkowski's stat line to be bad. 
It was even worse than I thought. Art Sitkowski's stat line, 8 of 19, 38 yards, no touchdown, an interception. He had two fumbles as well. At some point, I thought Brett needed to move away from Art Sitkowski to Art Sit Downski <laughs> and get him out well, of this game. So Art did sit down ski because he got a little beat up ski. That, oh, I broke that, his arm. Yeah, that arm looked. Wait, by the way, okay, I don't mean. I hope I hope Art's arm obviously oh, heals. Yeah. Like, but but we were watching the halftime highlights after the in or during the Indiana Ohio State halftime. <laughs> Booger McFarlane, God bless his soul. So the first highlight they go to, of course, is the big upset of the day. They show Indiana, or they show uh, Illinois beating Penn State. They talk about Art Sikowski, you know, busting his arm, and Booger goes, "Oh, a tough break for that young man." Oh man, so bad. <laughs> Oops, crazy. <laughs> So, so then in comes Brandon Peters. Yeah. And by the way. Give him credit. Yeah. Okay. So Brandon has had a rough season. I mean, that's an understatement. But he, the thing I can say about Brandon Peters throughout his career is he plays so well when his back is up against the wall. Like that's when true. It's, when it seems like there's no chance, when it seems like all hope is lost, that's when he plays his best. And the rollout to the right that ended up winning the game, where he threw to Casey Washington for the two-point conversion. It was a conversion. three and a half minute long play, <laughs> and for two and a half of those minutes, Casey Washington was open, and that's why my voice is so hoarse right now. <laughs> I was screaming. I I must have set a record for saying "throw the goddamn ball" in a whatever in it was, one like, single a play. two and a half second window or whatever it was. I'll tell you one person. But though. anyway, no, what the point I'm trying to make, it was reminiscent of the throw he made to Daniel Barker to beat Michigan State. Yeah. Rolling right yes. is in the same part of the end zone. He just needs to be he needs to be in rhythm. He's a very much a rhythm. Oh my gosh, is he ever. Uh one guy that has no explanation needed for his stat line, Chase Brown. 33 carries, 223 yards, Illinois' lone touchdown. In regulation, Illinois as a team, 67 carries, 357 yards, a 5.3-yard average. Okay, I know for Penn State, um, P.J. Mustafer going out is, is definitely a big deal, but 357 yards, big deal, absolutely amazing. I, I mean, coming off being idle last week, and, and, and here's like a secret thing. James Franklin does not have a good track record coming out of idle weeks. No, it's another not. one of those weird things. But all of those things mixed together, 357 yards of rushing? Well, and and this, again, is probably going to be a theme for winning teams this weekend. But two running backs that go over 100 yards. Crazy. Not one. Two. Two. Yeah. So Josh McCray, 24 carries, 142 yards. Not too shabby. Because Chase Brown went out. With an injury, correct? Yeah, he did. He got hope, dang, it looked like uh, a, a. I think he got concussed. concussed. Okay, it looked like his head bounced off the turf. Uh, Penn State. We're going to talk about them too. Um, okay, Sean Clifford's stat line doesn't wind up being awful. Nineteen to thirty-four, hundred sixty-five yards, a touchdown, and no picks. But the the main reaction I think I saw from Penn State fans is pretty similar to the reaction I had, which is um, they had an idle week last week. You knew Sean Clifford was beat up. It is my opinion that he didn't get reps until 
late last week. I think that showed today. I thought Roberson looked pretty good. I know I'm crazy, but like, long story short, you, 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 uh, Clifford was not healthy in this game. He he was not. You could, like, when he rolled out, he was like, I need to get rid of this ball because I have. Zero desire to take a rib shot. And I remember here. there was a time when he took a shot, and I was like, oh, Uh-oh. gosh, that could not be good. But I don't know, man. Like, Roberson, you could basically run, like, a really, almost like an option type of offense with Roberson. Keep the attempts to, like, 15 or less. Yeah. It, I would have been interested to see. They have that little faith in the backups here, I guess, that they, I, I that guess. they wheeled out a obviously not healthy <laughs> Obviously didn't practice this week. Sean Clifford, I don't know what to say. Um, As a team, they ran for 29 times for 62 yards, only a 2.1-yard average. Right, so look look at that disparity. 357 rushing yards to 62 rushing yards. You don't don't win games. And it still took them in overtime. And it still took them in overtime. That's how bad the quarterback play was. But other uh, stats that stick out, Illinois, 26 first downs. The Nittany Lions only 14. Illinois was 9 of 18 on third downs, 4 of 17 for the Nittany Lions. Uh, Illinois did have those those three turnovers, though, to none for the Nittany Lions. But Illinois dominated time of possession, 36 minutes to 23. I wanted to shout out a few people. Defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That guy is doing a great job. He is as tough as it is to be considered the best defensive coordinator in the Big Ten. He he needs to be in the team picture at very, at the very least. Like he's he's done what he's working with. Yeah, dude, amazing. And then Tyreek Barnes at the linebacker position, number forty four, had a great game. He was shooting gaps with a lot of success. Keith Randolph, number eighty eight in the defensive line, had a great game. So just wanted to get their names out there. And also, second consecutive top ten win for Illinois. How about that? Second time in a row, Illinois they have, they have, and Purdue, the top ten killers. Yes. Yeah, it's insane. Sitting down there at the bottom of the barrel in the in the Western Division. Speaking of barrel, I'm going to give a shout out to my mom, Mrs. Greek. Okay. Obviously not. She sends me a text right after the game is over. You better put the Amador under lock and key or Kurt might drink it all. You know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. My reputation precedes me. Um I tweeted that out because it was. I've only hung out with your mom on a couple occasions, so I must have really made an impression. Speaking of Amador, double barrel, my lock of the week was the under, and I hit it. Uh, With the win, Illinois moves to three and five, two and three in conference with the loss. Penn State falls to five and two overall, two and two in conference, and this seems like as good a time as any to. Read our Amador advertisement. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrel. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail like I'm having it now. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, Raised in California. Next game up, Minnesota 34, Maryland 16. The Gophers with 451 yards of total offense to the Terps, 268. Am I crazy in making this statement? Are the Minnesota Gophers the most complete team in the Big Ten West right now? 
Hmm. Well, they do have, you know, quarterback play that you can kind of count on. A little bit more. A little bit more. Receivers that you can count on a little bit more. And it's not so much that Tanner Morgan's playing great football. It's just that we know how good he is. So I have more confidence in him as a quarterback. Right. Than pretty much like Petrus, than Graham Mertz. There's things on... There's things on Tanner Morgan's resume that he has accomplished that no other quarterback in the Big Ten West has accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, ironically, the team that's probably closest to them to being the most complete team would be Nebraska, but they yep. have fallen way back. I don't mean to poop on Nebraska when right. they're, they're just in Idle Week, and we, but this Minnesota team, I don't know, man. Like, it's cr- and I hate to 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 start with a positive. And then go to a negative to all of those people listening from Dinky Town area. But like, if it wasn't for that Bowling Green loss, they, there'd be a way different outlook on this. They, team they might, they might be ranked this week. They'd be ranked, and they'd be everyone would be just considering, oh, well, this is the front. I mean, this is the obvious best team in the West. It would be feeling very 2019ish right now if it wasn't for yeah, that a little Bowling bit. Green, which I think is squarely. On PJ, I mean, PJ should have been a little bit more aggressive on that game. I understand the wide receiving core was beat up, but kind of ever since that Purdue game where they knew they had to take shots downfield to get the offense going, they did. Then last week versus Nebraska, they really opened up the offense. It happened again. This was kind of like a little bit similar to the Purdue game where we're going to go through the stats here. But there were I, there was the point some I'm fris- trying to make is is the the offense ignited through the the aerial attack versus Nebraska in this game all they had to do was lean on Maryland up front and it was over they were dominating Maryland up front in this game they were absolutely dominating Maryland up front and I got to say I had a lot more confidence in the Maryland defense like two three weeks ago than I do right now correct it seems like a it seems like a different defense. It seems like a different defense. It seems like a different offense. It seems like a different team. Hmm. Have we seen this from Maryland before? So I, I don't know if this will work, but basically this is the second half locks nest monster that we've seen. It, yeah. it, it, it always seems to come out. Well, right it usually mid October. I don't know. It usually comes out a little earlier. I felt it does. Like, I felt like he was hanging on in there. More than you thought, so you didn't have as much confidence. I'm like, I don't know. They're still playing pretty well. I, it's falling apart right now. Tulia Tonga Viola, 17 of 27, 189 yards, a touchdown, no picks, like not a horrible stat line. There just wasn't there. But the Terps rushing attack, 23 carries, 79 yards, a 3.4 yard average. There's not much to talk about with Maryland because they haven't given us much to talk about their last three outings. Now, the teams they played – in the last three outings, Iowa, Ohio State that we see on our screen now in a they haven't scored yet in the third quarter. By no, the way, it's still forty four to seven. Same, same. So our our Six. halftime stats and score are still going to play here in a little bit. Um, anyways, but you know they the teams they've played definitely play into this. But how Maryland's playing definitely plays into this. Well, there's not much to talk about with Maryland, so let's switch over to Minnesota. Tanner Morgan with what is kind of wound up being a Tanner Morgan stat line type of stat line for the, for the year, eight of 12, 
125 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He yep. did what he but had to do. But that's efficient. Right. 10 yards efficient. per attempt is great. And by the way, didn't expect this. Kai Thomas, the leading rusher and the leading guy in terms of carries, 21 carries, 139 yards, and a touchdown. Wait, what is this? Another guy, another running back. So let me get, let me get, let me yards. go. Okay, let me go through because you're <laughs> Kai Thomas, 21 carries, 139 yards, touchdown. Bucko Irving, 15 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Bryce Williams, 13 carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Ryan Burns, one carry, three yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but at, at by the end of the game, who knows who they could have bowled off the bench out of the stands to carry the ball? Because I really honestly think. Somewhere around like a 28 to 29-year-old Jeffrey the Greek, if I had warm up my hamstrings a little bit, I think I could have gotten four, three, four yards in this game. Minnesota's offensive line was just caving in the, the Maryland front seven. So they've had five running backs go over 100 yards this year. And again, this is two Crazy. running backs on the same winning team going over 100 yards. And I'm not done with that, by the way. No, no, we podcast. got another one. And it... Minnesota is no stranger to having a two-headed monster at running back. Back to the nostalgia I mean, look, machine. I, do you do you remember the the early two thousand scare the hell out of you two-headed monster for Minnesota? Of course, they have a legacy of having multiple good running backs on the same team. I mean, and, one of the Minnesota podcasts is a uh, spare and a pair. They're kind of taking this spare and a pair thing. Like little, like too far. I don't even know how to say it. Like, I, you have got to give Peach and the offensive staff credit. They have lost their bell cow number one guy. Oh my gosh! But, like, I mean, probably, like a guy that was going to be in the running for the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year mm-hmm. this year. He's gone. Then they lose his backup, who looked not as good, but pretty, damn good. Pretty damn good. He lose for the year, and now they are. They've in- still got three really reliable running backs. I mean, you gotta give the, them credit. At you the have st- got to give them credit. Of course, at the start of the year, they had a pair and a spare and a spare and a spare <laughs> is what they had. That's that's rare. They had all four tires, and they had the the spare and the insane. truck. It's insane. It's crazy. Yeah, Michael Brown Stevens still continues to show up. Only one catch, but a big one for thirty five yards. A little dinged up on that. Hope he is okay. Oh gosh, hope he's okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way. One thing I did want to point out, Marcus Fleming. Marcus Fleming's sighting. Yeah. Had, he was the leading receiver for Maryland and had a touchdown as well. Transfer five from... Star, Five-star recruit. Transfer, transfer from Nebraska. Yeah. Been all around. I, I think it's the first... But yet, but yet third in the Big Ten for how many teams he's played for. Certain certain Nebraska receiver. Anyways, good okay. point. Yeah. I don't know. There, I'll say this. Sometimes the final score of a game is not vindictive of what how the game actually was. This one was. Minnesota was the better team. The, but it was the, also, it was like a slow burn. They just kept on yeah. them and kept on yeah. them. It wasn't like they just blew them, their no. doors off. It just, just slowly better. kept piling on points throughout the game. They were just better. Yep. Well, they were just, they were absolutely the better team. They were just the better team. Yep. With the win, Minnesota moves to 5-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one. In the Big Ten, they are one of three teams in the Big Ten West that control their own destiny. With the loss, Maryland falls to four and three overall, one and three in the Big Ten. The quest for ten on life support is no, it's not a life support. It's dead. It is dead. Is dead. Oh, they can't it's get officially it. dead. They it's, cannot it's get mathematically there. dead because that's right. a regular season quest for ten. Yeah, it's a twelve game 
All right, so time. next game up, do you just want to go to this one now and and, and keep the – Yeah, sure, let's should do, we that. do it. Okay. Yeah. Next game up, Ohio State 44, Indiana 7. These are halftime stats here, halftime stats. And by the way, it's right now we have just under six minutes left in the third quarter. So the halftime stats and score was 44-7. to 7. It is currently 44-7. to 7. At halftime, the Buckeyes had 334 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers – 31 or was it 41? I don't know, but the point is there wasn't much going on for Ohio or for Indiana's offense at halftime. I'll go ahead and look at it now. Team stats. Okay. We're almost the exact same. We're at 343 yards of total offense for Ohio State, 93 yards of total offense for the Hoosiers. So the Hoosiers got uh, um, their starting quarterback has been knocked out. I mean, in some ways, the whole season, right? It's like Penix, 27 times. Penix so has been year. bent left and bent right. He hasn't been getting home. All right. And then Jack Tuttle comes in. He gets knocked out in this game. They're down to a true freshman. Anybody is going to have a hard time keeping up with this Ohio State offense. You throw that type of quarterback injuries into the mix, it is a tough spot to be in for the Hoosiers. I thought... The Hoosiers would, quote-unquote, muck this thing up like they've done the last two or three games. There was no mucking. All the mucking is being done by the Ohio State football team. No, basically what we watched in the first half just now, it was an it was effortless by Ohio State to score. They Which, have it, – it is by land, by sea, whatever. <laughs> by they, air. Whatever by, they want. Whatever I they mean, want. A, lot, a lot of it was by air, <laughs> a lot of be it. honest. C.J. Stroud at halftime. Again, halftime stats. 16 of – yeah, he had a lot of attempts. <laughs> he had he well, had a lot of attempts and a lot of completions. Okay, but right now, right now yeah. he's seventeen to twenty three for two oh six okay. and three touchdowns, no, picks. no interceptions. And by the way, he seemed he was almost flawless oh in the we, first half. Like uh, Big Kurt and I were sitting on my couch, and there was a throw. He it was had a thirty two yard throw right down the it middle was over, over a linebacker two guys and uh, before, in front of in front another of safety. One. It was incredible. I mean, it was an Aaron Rodgers type throw. Travion Henderson has the same stats now as he had at halftime because they've obviously pulled him out of the game. Nine carries, 81 yards, two touchdowns. To give you the receiving stats, it's just equally out by uh, JSN, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Everybody's getting involved. Even Travion Henderson caught a pass. Like, they're just spreading the ball away. Good luck trying to shut this offense down right now. They are incredible. So Dustin Chitty was tweeting, you know, it's it's must be nice just to be able to throw the ball up to – and Jigba Smith and and Garrett Wilson and Olave and and people just kept chiming. Well, you know what about Ruckert? Well, yeah, him too. And well, well, he throws to Henderson a lot too. Okay, yeah, good yeah, point. Him too. him too. Like just so many weapons, it's unbelievable. So here's a thought I had. This, this is a deep cut. Um, I I I think we believe Justin Fields is one of the greatest football players we've seen. Definitely since we've been doing this podcast, correct? I mean, best College since, football players. S- since we've done this podcast, the best one we've watched, yes. Did he win a national championship? No. Okay. Was Peyton Manning not one of the greatest college football quarterbacks you ever saw? Sure. Did he win a national title? No. The year after each one of those quarterbacks leave, a new guy comes in in oh. Tennessee. They won a national championship. Could we see the same thing this year? With C.J. Stroud. With T. Martin. T. Martin. T. Martin. Could we have a T. Martin, C.J. Stroud? Boy, that would be awesome. I love, deep cut? I like love that? that pull right there. Yeah, that's that's a great. Deep cut. 
Um, yeah, I don't know what else to talk about. There's three minutes and 14 seconds left in this game. It is still 44 to seven. Ohio State has probably seen enough. Now, the funny thing is, is they've gone over 500 yards in all but one game. I don't know if they're going to get over 400 yards in this game because I think they've just choked her down enough. They've, they've. Well, I think uh, the quaff Ryan Day is showing a little mercy here. Right a little now. mercy. And by the way, my final game prediction for this game was 42 to seven. Oh, 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 oh. so you're hoping this winds up being. You're hoping this winds up being. Let's the just score. grind it out, quaff. Could be. I think they're going to add another touchdown. Uh, I think that so would be too. my guess. Yeah. It sure looks like Ohio State will move to six and one overall and four and zero in the Big Ten, and it and, sure. And if lo- they don't, we'll update you. Yeah, we'll update you. <laughs> and it sure looks like Indiana will fall to two and five overall, zero oh, and four in the Big Ten. That is not what a lot of people thought would happen to the Hoosiers this year. Last game, the Big Ten game of the week was not so much. Wisconsin thirty. Purdue 13, the Badgers with 342 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers 206. So there is something going on in the Big Ten West where it's like familiar foes type of deal. Jeff Brom can take yeah. can take Phil Parker to the woodshed, but then you turn around and 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 a, Wisconsin and a, and a takes, similar type team in yeah, Wisconsin to right. Iowa, but it's different. It, but it's different. Going from that 4-3 of Iowa to, to a 3-4 three, four four of I Wisconsin. Know. And it, it is, I mean, that this is 15 wins in so a row I, I by feel, Wisconsin over Purdue. And I feel kind of stupid, though, looking back, to be honest. Because I, I, I was like, no, I just think Purdue's the better team. I'm going to pick Purdue. But teams like Purdue, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not piling on Purdue because Illinois would be the same. Teams that aren't used to being ranked, when they get ranked, they usually crap their pants. It's a thing. You did talk about that. I did talk about it, and I thought about it, but also the 14 losses in a row prior to this game, they they just It's not nothing. It's not nothing. That doesn't not count. And then when I saw every single talking head picking Purdue, I'm like, my goose is cooked. They're going to lose. Uh, What it reminded me of is the Grandpa Simpson gif where he walks into the bar, puts his hat down, walks right back out, puts his hat back on, leaves. That's what Purdue... That's what the time they spent in the top 25. So this also gets back to a previous podcast. We're talking three, four, five podcasts. The scars versus stats deal. The stats told us coming into this game that Purdue had a more complete team. Yeah. The scars told us that we should pay attention to Wisconsin versus Purdue. Neither one of us picked it because we're dumb. Yeah, I feel stupid. I felt stupid before kickoff. I should have known that Purdue would beat Iowa, and I should have known that Purdue would turn around and lose to Wisconsin. I know. Because that's that's how it goes, right? I know. Um Okay. We'll start with Wisconsin. Uh your do you do you want to give out the rushing stats? Because this is your theme this week. Oh, well oh you know Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, as it turns out, had two running backs that went over a hundred yards rushing and they won the game. How about that? I, it's almost like if you have two running backs that go over 100 yards, you can't lose. You get you hear a lot of the winning or losing the turnover battle on how that equates to wins. My guess is if you had a stat that said if you have two 100-yard rushers in the same game, it would also equate to a lot of wins most so, of the time. So, by the way, the Ohio State-Indiana game is not over. Does Travion Henderson have 100 yards rushing? Are they going to get a second one? Maybe will Mayan Williams have two? He does not. He's got 91. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I think he's pulled out of the game. So, God, that would be awesome. Sorry, Ohio State. You just didn't have a very good offensive performance. You did good for your own, you tried. Your own effort. You tried real hard. Che Louis, 27 carries, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Braylon Allen, again, 12 carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Dude, that guy, as, yeah. he is coming on. I, I mean, as in, he was like, I believe... Like somewhat of an afterthought recruit, maybe a linebacker type of deal. Was he? I don't, I don't even know. That's the way it's been somewhat explained to me. But a Wisconsin long story short, kid. Wisconsin, 51 carries, 290 yards rushing, a 5.7 yard average. Uh, friend of the pod, Bug, said, Do we have to worry about Wisconsin being good right now? And, yeah, and, you and, do. I, and I did say, you do. It is a matchup thing, just like Purdue, Iowa last week, Wisconsin, Purdue this week. With that being said, there is no doubt that the Wisconsin offensive line in a rushing situation yes. looks a lot better. In a rushing situation, they look a lot better. 290 yards rushing in this game yeah. versus what we think is a good Purdue defense. Versus a good Purdue defense. Yeah. But versus negative 13 yards Holy rushing cow. for Purdue. 24 carries. Negative. Thir- okay. We know Purdue doesn't give a bleep about rushing the ball, but 24 carries for negative 13 yards, a negative 0.5-yard average. That is tough to come by. But back to Wisconsin. Graham Mertz, great day. Five of eight, 52 yards. I mean, that's their Achilles heel right there. That's, it, how, that's how you but beat somebody, If you can force them to have to throw the ball at some point in the game, I think you're going to win the game. Okay. I mean, they've lost three games because of that, but is this a different... Wisconsin rushing attack now than it was in September. Oh, no okay. doubt. No okay. doubt. So, so yes, that's all it takes to beat Wisconsin. It was an easier situation three weeks ago, four weeks ago for sure. Right now, it's harder to do. Like, I don't know oh, for what sure. they figured out with their pin and pull blocking scheme, but they're scheming these guys open. The running backs look good. They look confident. They look quick. I think part I of the figuring is Braylon Allen. Braylon to be Allen. honest with you, that guy's. But Che Louise looked pretty good all no, year. Che Louise pretty good, but crazy. But but the one-two punch is just yeah. I mean it's it's you know usually they have a bell cow, but now they have a duo. It is a duo. Yeah, we're not used to seeing this. It's been a while. You're right. It is a different. It's what since, what I it's wonder since is White and John Clay, right? James White, John. Yeah, Clay. that's the last good. time they had a like it's a good, duo. That's going back there. Um. Um, I would say, like, what I'd be curious is if, you know, Captain Excitement about three, four weeks ago, if he's like, listen, we just don't have it at quarterback, so we we have no choice. We are going to lean into our rushing attack because we know we have a great defense, and we are sure. going to make this offensive line rushing attack work. If it's the last thing I do, they just focused in, and that's what we got right now. So you, are you saying, though, that you, that you think – they, they didn't. They didn't earlier. even think about. They not didn't think about. It. They just had enough proof in the first month of the season to say our passing attack is not going to pop. I mean, it's the only shit. way we're getting to Indianapolis is if we just get good at running the ball, for lack of a better word, putting it and just run it down people's throat. And not right now, they're doing it. They're doing it, and the, against a Purdue defense again that had been doing a good job defensively all across Look, the board been, and against a rush. I have been praising. This yeah. Purdue defense, but eight attempts, eight attempts for Graham Mertz. All he needed. Uh, as far as Purdue, big win last week. 
Big letdown this week. Aiden O'Connell, 24 attempts, 32 yards, 200 yards, one touchdown, three picks. That And, and that is what had gotten Aiden O'Connell in trouble before yeah. was the picks. It came out to play. You could tell it was just one of those days where an opposing quarterback to a Wisconsin defense was just like, yeah, hey, I'll just throw it here. I'll try this. It just wasn't working, man, because yeah. they were just kicking their butt. Five turnovers to two turnovers. One of the amazing stats of this game yeah. is that Purdue had – 17 first downs in Wisconsin had 14. That's insane. How, how does that even happen? I'm not sure. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. And by the way, David it, Bell last week sets a yeah. Kinnick Stadium record for oh, receiving boy. yards. Today, six catches, 33 yards. I mean, I chance. think this probably was the best a team has really contained that guy. I yeah. think this might be it. Yeah. Short of injury. And by the way, George Karloftis didn't do that much either. And no. I know he had that return for the touchdown, but he didn't do. There's only so much you can do when the other. You you can't sack the quarterback very much. When he well, okay. Eight good point. And, and I'm not saying he's not good against the run. He He's solid he against is. the run, but he's exceptional against the pass. You just can't come alive as a pass rusher when the other team doesn't throw the ball. <laughs> okay, I, I think I can speak confidently on that. Couple other things: eight game losing streak versus rated team ranked teams for Wisconsin is snapped now. Wow! And they get it for the twenty fifth ranked team that Correct. spent exactly one week ranked. And then the I, other the other job. one I wanted to point out is Leo Chanel is playing as well on the defensive side of the football as anybody in the Big Ten right now. Absolutely. Guy had another great game. I think the linebackers, they're like the death squad or something that they call themselves. Boy, that sounds about up, right. They're living up to that. Yeah. Uh, with the win, Wisconsin moves to four and three, uh, two and two in the Big Ten, very much in the thick of the Big Ten West race. With the loss, Purdue falls to four and three, two and two in the Big Ten race. Uh, Big Ten West, also in the Big Ten West race. The weekly Eisman, we're going to be quick this week, right? Yeah. I mean, no offense to oh Travion Henderson, I think just scored a touchdown. Was that or, or they just showed? Yeah, I think this is just, pre- just previous highlights. Who knows? Again, uh, Ohio State is kind of their own worst enemy when it comes to the stat line because it's hard to pick out one person, and they do it every week so it doesn't stand right. out. So like Ohio State. To the victors go to the spoil. The one also, time that like, you big... don't get the spoils is the weekly Eisman because it's just hard to pick out a stat line with you people. Right, but it's also just like. Big, like big, unexpected things. That's right. what we like to like. That's part know, of it. Yeah. Like if if there's a huge upset like happened this week, you get a bump. You get a bump. Um, shout out to Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. I mean, a two-headed monster that deserves a lot of respect. But in the end, I think it's pretty obvious this week. Illinois running back Chase Brown, thirty-three carries, two hundred and twenty-three yards, and a touchdown in the ginormous upset of Penn State. Chase Brown is our Week 8 Eisman winner. And I think that's in in our fourth season now, the first Illinois Eisman winner. I think it is. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Name another one. I, well, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot either. Well, we made it. We, we've recorded a podcast long enough for an Illinois player to be the we Week did, Eisman. We did it, By damn God. it. That, that, oh, that's man. all. It I've, I've done everything. I'm done. <laughs> it is... It's just so nice to sit across the table from a happy big curd. Doesn't happen often. <laughs> I should take a picture. <laughs> you got anything else? No, man. I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Curd. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.